Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. So glad that you're joining me today. Hey, listen, we're going to finish up the week talking on the subject of let's stop playing God, okay? <laughs> There's only one God. That role is filled and it's going to be filled for all of eternity. It's never going to become vacant. There is only one God and he is the giver and sustainer and the creator of all things. But he does love us and without a doubt. And so we learn from the book of James chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 that we're not to speak evil against one another, brothers. Right? The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, I want you to know, as we look at this study, we have this wonderful opportunity to overcome a judgmental spirit to not try to play God in the lives of others. So as we look at this passage, we're going to be looking at several others as we go through the broadcast today. We're going to talk about why is it that we judge? Why do we do that? Why do we gossip? And then we're going to talk about the antidote as to what can be done so that we don't enter into that phase of being judgmental. Now, it begins... As we look at this, we're not talking about not addressing a brother who is wrong, okay? We are to confront those who do wrong. So we're not talking about that. James and James 1.19 says we ought to be slow to speak, slow to become angry, quick to listen. So here we're not talking about addressing directly a brother who is wrong, right? I'm not saying uh, we hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. No, we confront the person who is erring. But we don't speak about that person, we speak to that person. And so here we see that God has given us his law. And he says, the law is not to condemn and cause us to be a slave of sin. The law here speaks against the law and the judges. There's only one lawgiver and one judge who is able to save and destroy. So James is telling us, that we should not play God by pronouncing judgment, but on the same token, we don't want to play Satan by announcing slander. You see, slander uses uh, words that are things about others, usually whom we are jealous over. So we're jealous over somebody, so we're saying something slanderous about them. When I did some training in prison for many years ago, we, we used to have a course called Games That Inmates Play. And I guess you could say uh, there's games that Christians play as well. What do you mean by that? Well, we tend to excuse our sins. We do it by relabeling them, right? For example, instead of saying, I'm gossiping, I'll say, well, I'm not gossiping. I'm just sharing a concern, right? One guy told me one day, I'm not lazy. I'm just mellow. Or I'm not negative. I'm just realistic, or I'm not unreliable, I'm just flexible. We have different terminology, right? Uh, We excuse our sins by relabeling them. I'm not critical, I'm discerning. Well, William Barclay said, 
It is a reckless man who deliberately infringes on the prerogatives of God. A reckless man. Proverbs 6 says there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And here's the list. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among the brethren. You see, we are told in in the book of Exodus that they were not to spread false reports. We do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing what is wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Do not show favoritism to a poor man in a lawsuit. We are told in Ephesians chapter 4 that we need to get rid of some things. That is bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And we substitute that with kindness by being kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, David understood this point. David talking about God being a mighty judge in Psalm 50 says, use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue for deceit. And he's confessing his sins. And he says, you speak continually against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done. And David says, God kept silent. And you thought I was altogether like you. But I will rebuke you and I will accuse you to your face. Don't you love that? That direct confrontation. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, after talking about the fact that food was put in our mouth, that doesn't make us evil, but it's the things that come out of our mouth that come out of the heart. He says, those are the things that make us evil or make us unclean. For what comes out of our heart was evil thoughts and, and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and, and theft and, and false testimony and slander. These are what make a man unclean. In fact, the weeping prophet Jeremiah, lamenting over the condition of his nation, records this message from God in Jeremiah 9.4. Beware of your friends. Don't trust your brothers. For every brother is a deceiver and every friend a slanderer. They have taught their tongues to lie. They weary themselves with sinning. You live in a midst of deception In their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge him. Now, if you look at all these illustrations of slander, of uncleanness, as we look at these, I want you to to look at an Old Testament passage found in the 10th chapter of 2 Samuel. 10th chapter of 2 Samuel. And we're going to be here for just a moment as we walk through a fascinating account. And I want you to be here for a moment, and and I'm going to read through parts of this section, and I think you're going to find it fascinating. And it says, and it came to pass after this, the king of the children of Ammon died in Hanan. His son reigned in his stead, then said David. Okay, David's about to speak, but in the course of the Ammonites, you remember, they were a category of enemies 
that were strongly against the people of God. So David said, I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. Now, even though it was a certain sense in which they were enemies, there had been kindness in the way that David had been treated by the father of this new king. So David wanted to return that favor by showing kindness to his son. The guy's name was Hanan. And David sent to console him by the hand of his servants for his father's sake. When his father died, David wanted to show a bit of gentleness, uh, some sympathy, uh, some consolation. And so he sends a message of kindness and perhaps some gifts going with this expression of consolation. And David's servants came into that land of the children of Ammon. And the prince of the children of Ammon said to Hanan, their lord, do you think that David does honor your father, that he has sent comforters to you? In other words, they're saying, listen, are you so stupid as to believe that this guy is sincere? Has not David rather sent his servants into you to search out the city, to spy out and to overthrow it? God kept, in other words, this is a plot. You're being set up. And so his intimate associates lie to him about the motives of David. They maliciously slander the motives and the intentions of David, who really did want to comfort this guy in the death of his father. He wanted to maintain some kind of a peaceful coexistence. But when Hanan heard this, and as any king would be, he was somewhat paranoid. And he took David's servants and he shaved off one half of their beards. So get the pictures. Here David's servants are coming in, acts of kindness, showing some, uh, some consolation, some times of grieving, giving gifts. And what does he do to them? He shaves off half of their beards. You say, well, why is that so bad? Well, a beard in that time of the world, in the Middle East, was really a sign of your dignity. I guess you could say it is a, it's a sign of your manliness. And so it was really a mockery and somewhat of a human desecration to do that. That wasn't half of it. They shaved off one half of their beards, but they also cut their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. And that was, of course, even more embarrassing. I mean, they have been embarrassed, they have been defamed, they have been dishonored. And of course, for a Jew to be exposed in that way was a fearful thing. And all these guys were doing was coming to be nice. And the whole thing was convoluted because the lying advisors told Hanan their motives were wrong. And when all the kings who were the servants saw that they were smitten before Israel, they made peace with Israel. Yay, peace with Israel. Uh, nearly 50,000 people died because of this misunderstanding, and they lied to the motives of David, but we discover they were being extremely disingenuous. In 1 Kings chapter 21, we read that there came in two fellows, two men, worthless fellows. And I'm switching the story now. And as we look at this story in 1 Kings 21, these two baseless fellows, they were kind of the criminal type. 
they sat before a king, Naboth, in the presence of the people, and Naboth was blaspheming God and the, and the king, and they cried him forth out of the city, and they stoned him, and, and he died, okay? Maybe you remember this story. Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard, and he couldn't have it. So he goes to Jezebel, his wife, and Jezebel says, listen, why are you being such a wimpy husband? You're the king. Just go take it, right? And here we discover that because of bad words, untruthful words, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. The whole thing was made up. You know, when I think about how dangerous our words can be, we are told to speak not evil one of another. In other words, have nothing to do with speaking evil against others. Uh, that word, speaking evil, is a word that it really comes from an old English word that means to be like a, a bee that is buzzing. And it means that we're going around buzzing, buzzing, buzzing with evil words, backbiting, slandering other people. So stop wagging your tongue in slanderous and malicious talk. All this that I've given to you at this point is by way of introduction. We are playing God when we slander other people. You ever wonder why? Why do we do this? We know it's wrong, but what is it that causes us to do it? The secret of our relationships with one another as Christians, especially when we have differences, is to remember Jesus Christ is Lord. To despise or to stand in judgment of a fellow Christian isn't just a breach of fellowship. It is a denial of the Lordship of Christ. I need to say to myself, who am I that I should cast myself in the role of another Christian's Lord and judge? I must be willing for Jesus Christ to be not only my Lord and my judge, but also my fellow Christian's Lord and judge. I must not interfere with Christ's lordship in the lives of other Christians. We tend to judge others because to do so excuses our own sin. You see, two people are hurt when we slander somebody, the slanderer and the one slandered. Romans 2.3 tells us, so when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Paul says one of the reasons that we tend to judge other people is to excuse our own faults. You think by pointing a finger at somebody else, God is going to forget about what you've done. Or when you point out how somebody else has fallen, it doesn't look so bad. When you use it as an excuse to blame others. You see, we love to accuse others and thinking that we'll excuse ourselves. So we tend to judge others because it excuses our own sin. Number two is it actually appeals to our pride, this false sense of control. Solomon says in Proverbs 26 that gossip is so tasty. Oh, how we love to swallow it. But James tells us that we should 
humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. We could say, slander others in the sight of the Lord, and, and He will eventually humiliate you. Well, maybe you're asking yourself, well, I, I thought we should be judging others to a, a certain degree. I mean, Matthew 7, 1 says that we should judge not, but if we do judge, we're to remember how we judge others because we're going to be judged the same way. And so when I'm talking about why we should not judge others, I'm talking about judging others with wrong motives, not with Christ-like discernment. I'm talking about judging others with a selfish motivation. And so to do so is unchristian. Brothers do not slander anyone who speaks evil against brother or judges his brother. Yeah, I heard about a guy who came to a pastor one time and said, I don't have but one talent. The pastor asked, well, what's your talent? The man says, I have the gift of criticism. The gift of criticism doesn't come from the Holy Spirit, but from the devil. The pastor was wise and thought about the parable in the Bible, and it says, the guy who had that only one talent, he went out and he buried it. Maybe that's what you ought to do with yours. Listen, judging others is unchristian, but it's also unloving. James 4.11 says, anyone who judges speaks against the law. In other words, I don't love the law when I'm judging somebody else. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, James 2.8 says, you will love your neighbor as you love yourself. You are doing right. You see, you don't slander the people that you really love. Now, when we judge people, it's also something that is unjustified because James tells us there's only one lawgiver, there's only one judge, and who are you to judge your neighbor? There's only one lawgiver and one judge. That word lawgiver is used six times in the Old Testament and only once in the New Testament. The six times that it's used in the Old Testament, it always refers to God. The one time it refers to In the New Testament, it always refers to God. It never refers to us as being the lawgiver or us as being the judge. It is always God. So every time we slander somebody, every time we judge somebody, it is unjustified. Well, when is it wrong to judge others? There's certain times that a judgment call must be made. But when do I disqualify myself to make a judgment call? Well, I think the first point would be when I'm doing the same thing. At Romans chapter 2, Paul says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on somebody else. For whatever point you judge others, you're condemning yourself, for you pass judgment in doing the same thing. Now, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same thing, do you think you escape God's judgment? Here's the point. I believe marriage is one man, one woman for one lifetime. When I make that statement, I am not making a judgment statement, a judgmental statement. I'm making a statement based upon God's word and based upon how I live my life. 
it's not hypocritical for me to say that because I'm living that way in my life. In a courtroom, a judge actually gave himself a judgment of contempt for court. He imposed a fine on himself for a cell phone mishap. Here's the story. There was a Michigan judge who handed down a most unusual ruling. Judge Raymond was clearly one who believed that in the courtroom, electronic devices should not be causing any disturbances within uh, court sessions. And so he got tired of people's phones going off in the middle of court sessions. And so he imposed a $25 fine and called those who had their phone go off during a court session in contempt of court. But on one Friday afternoon in late April, he was enforcing the policy on himself. You see, during a prosecutor's closing argument, the judge's new smartphone, which was in his shirt pocket, loudly went off. Uh, The phone gave a voice command. And he says, well, I guess I bumped it and it started talking really loud, saying, "I I can't understand you. Judge's face got red as a beat. He tried to turn his phone off. But the phone kept talking and creating a disturbance. Well, this Michigan judge finally got his phone to turn off. And because he had set such a high bar, because cell phones are a distraction and there's a very serious business going on in the courtroom, uh, the courtroom is a special place in the community and he needs more respect than that. And he says, I tore a tough line. And he got back up uh, that afternoon and found himself in contempt of court find himself $25. And he says, even human judges are not above the rules. He says, I broke the rule and I have to live by it. And he paid the fine immediately. So when it comes to judging, we should not be judging when we're doing the same thing. Number two, we should not be judging when it blinds me to my own faults. Now, I want to look at what Jesus said about judging. Matthew 7, 1 is a verse that probably has become one of the most popular verses in the Bible. Judge not that you be not judged, right? So don't judge, right? That's the point. Jesus says down in verse number three, after saying that you do judge, but then he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and you pay no attention to the plank that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there's a plank in your own eye? (laughs) You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eyes. You see, the greatest of faults, I should say, is to be conscious that I have no faults. So Jesus makes it very clear that before we make a judgment on somebody else, we better make sure we have taken the plank out of our own eye. Well, I want you to join me tomorrow because uh, we're just about out of time, and we've got some other things we want to cover on this very important subject of when we should not judge. Be careful what you speak. Be careful how you react, because every idle word that you speak, God will hold us in judgment. So thank you for joining me today. I hope you join me on the Friday broadcast for part number two. And as we close out today, if I can help you with anything, please feel free to send me a text message. Maybe you need some prayer. 
I've got a team that prays every Thursday morning at 5 a.m. I would love to pray for you. Just shoot me a text and say, hey, pastor, would you pray about this request? If you want to send it to me anonymously, you can do that. Uh, And that way that will protect your identity. No problem there. I would just love to pray for you. 252-267-2365. And so, Lord, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study your word, to apply your word to our hearts and and to our lives. I thank you for every person listening to this broadcast. I pray that you fill them with your spirit, fill them with the joy of the Lord so they can have the strength to continue on with the journey that you've called them to. I pray that you will lift off their eyes the, the spirit of blindness and lift off their minds the spirit of confusion. Allow them to walk in sync with you. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful avenue of sharing God's word through the podcast and through the radio broadcast. We thank you. We praise you for all the wonderful gifts, all the blessings that you have given us today. And we pray this all in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Please join me tomorrow as we have part two on talking about being careful what you speak. Don't try to take the place of God. Allow him to work through you. Allow him to bless you, but never take his place. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.